0: Um, so welcome to the third episode of the Built podcast. Today, um, today's episode is going to be, should we be marking anonymously? And we're joined with Humphrey Bourne, who's a Graduate Education Director for the Faculty of Social Sciences and Law, and Zoe Backhouse, who's a fourth-year Liberal Arts student and Built fellow. So we are just first going to cover what the university's actual policy on anonymous marking is.
1: Okay, shall I start on that one yeah um, sure. And, and it's really summed up in, in in one paragraph um in the regulations on fifteen point seven all summative assessments should be anonymous when it is marked where that is possible and practicable for example, not viva voce examinations such as interviews and presentations and consistent with the assessment and its objectives So, mm-hmm. sort of saying should be so if the objectives or the assessment is different then I guess that gives us a certain amount of room in there.
0: Okay. So Humphrey, in your experience, does that happen here? Uh,
1: yes. Oh, wow. uh, <clears throat> generally speaking, that happens across the board. Um, in marking is anonymous in that it works primarily on candidate or nowadays student number. Uh, so students submit work on their student number, increasingly that's electronically. Um, And all that the markers will see is the um, student number. Okay. Uh, And so they're working from that point of view.
0: Okay. How long has it been like that for?
1: As long as I can remember, which goes back some way. Oh, really? Um, So I can't recall it not being anonymous while I've been at Bristol, which goes back to
0: 2003. Oh, okay. Okay. I had the impression it was a more recent thing that had been employed.
2: Yeah, so did I. But I don't know why. I think, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the National Union of Students started really working on this in the late 90s. Because I think there was like a lot more um, work being yeah. done as well in psychology and sociology yes. on implicit biases. Yes. Um, and... There was, there's obviously like lots of concrete evidence that either implicitly or explicitly one can be biased in how you mark um, students if A, you know who they are or B, their name in any way sways your judgment. So I think that that's when NUS got really involved in working on it. Um, but I didn't realise that Bristol had like so swiftly and for such a long amount uh, of time adopted it. I could be wrong, adopted it.
1: but I cannot remember, for example, exam scripts without the down corner with the name in it and so, as long as my memory goes back, that was the case. Okay. <coughs> and I think uh, part of the reason why I say that is because um, I've taught on very small group teaching in post experience work where students are set assignments which they link to their own work world, so they're part time students coming in linking to them. And it's always been um, a little bit of a, a, a fuss, really, because they Put anonymous bits, but yeah. they talk about something that you know from yeah. conversations, yeah. and so you can identify them. So, it's, so I've been aware of that conflict, I guess, for again for for a long time.
2: Yeah. Um, okay. I think when I got to uni, I was surprised that you didn't put your name on things, because um, mm-hmm. in my college you did, mm-hmm. um, and at the same time, as a liberal arts student, it was also a, a bit farcical because. Um, at that point you put your um, program on the cover sheet and so you would so rarely be in a class with any other liberal arts students it was very clear um, who had written it Um, and then since that I guess the further you go into your degree and the more that you'll go to see tutors as you're writing so often you'll have had a conversation directly on that essay so that that tutor does know who whose work it is which I think is interesting I think a lot of students have I don't think it's like a huge thing that people talk about all the time, but sometimes they'll be like, why is it anonymous when they clearly know yeah. it was me that wrote it?
1: <coughs> yeah, so you're alluding to something that's always been an issue uh, in my experience with student dissertations, master's dissertations, in that the, um, one of the markers is always the supervisor, and the supervisor yeah. knows that student's yeah. work yeah. In, uh, <laughs> in some detail, has re- reviewed drafts and so on. And so... That would be one of the exceptions, I think, in the regulations that accepts it is that if you're going to have a supervisor as a marker, you cannot then have uh, anonymous marking without somehow zapping from the memory of all your
0: Yeah.
2: yeah you
1: know, what's gone on before.
2: Right. But I think I do understand the overall principle, particularly if you're marking huge amounts of work. not an awful lot of time so like if you're marking like 50 undergraduate essays um, and therefore you are having to work under a lot of pressure with not a huge amount of time per paper and i am assuming those sorts of biases that could come out will come out like more than when you're just like churning through and you're trying to award marks as efficiently as possible so i think for like overall avoiding um bias when you don't necessarily know the class is really effective but it, yeah, it definitely becomes less and less relevant the further the student gets through their degree. Yeah,
1: I, I agree with the, 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 the larger the class, the larger number you got to mark, then <coughs> some of the arguments in favour of um, having a known, mm. knowing your students begins to dissipate because the large numbers yeah. means that you it's impossible to know yeah. all of your students, and therefore there's a problem occurring there. Um, So yes, I agree with that. Um, But I think that there are other biases that can also come in with large... When you're under pressure and you're marking very quickly, Um, clarity of English, for example, would be one. exactly Um, what I was
0: thinking, yeah. Yeah. And
1: so you might well find yourself biasing towards those people who can express themselves better, which is another worrying sort of bias, really.
0: True. Okay, so so I guess what we really want to cover is should we keep marking anonymously obviously th- the the biggest upside of is feedback and not being able to, f- you know a student's feedback journey and them always being marked anonymously they can't go back to that marker and say you know what happened here can you give me some specific feedback on you know further to what's already been given in the essay and um, is that a stronger argument that will outweigh the anonymity that's that's currently given
1: I've put myself in a position in the last couple of years of saying, yes, I think that um, that the argument against uh, anonymous marking is now stronger than the argument for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that with some caveats, because I think there has to be different mechanisms in the uh, way of dealing with things like halo effect and bias and so on like that that can happen. The reasons for anonymous marking is trying to move that. Um, my reasons are on two areas and one is to do with assessment and the other one is to do with trying to reduce the incident to contract cheating yeah. so there's two completely two related but they are different things and um <clears throat> you know we, we we as a university uh, along with not some other universities but we seem to have this badly have struggled to be able to convince students uh, that our assessment processes are helpful or useful or whatever and I think anonymous marking has a role to play in that, um, because it, what what anonymous marking can do is actually it creates a distance between the student and the marker, um, and it 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 therefore from that encourages. Um, I think I should start that one again, because it doesn't encourage, it discourages a a relationship mediated through the piece of coursework sort of thing that might be be looked at. Um, It removes one of the most useful forms of of feedback, which is essentially feed forward, actually, rather than feedback, of of where uh, a student might, you can set an assignment where the formative work is actually drafts of the summative work, uh, and then you can engage in conversation so that there's um there have been uh in the literature of you know this sort of notion of feedback as conversation uh and uh i think anonymous marking just kills the idea of conversation yeah. or makes it much more difficult um it it it's you sort of can not completely kill it but it's much more difficult to have that and it's certainly more difficult to have something that allows a continuation Um, but it goes back to your point earlier on is that is that the larger the number of students in the group the more difficult it is to have those sort of types of feedback where you can have that conversation. I mean
2: it is a tricky it's it is a mixed message that you get as a student which is really really encouraging people to go in. Um, talk to their tutors and be um, really proactive but also to submit work anonymously um, and or, or to build a, build, really work hard to build a relationship with your tutor while being in massive class sizes yeah. because of the, the increase in student numbers and I think that those are tensions and most people will just opt not to be that proactive person and the, the kind of submission of it as a num- of your essay for example as, as just a student number kind of reinforces um maybe that you are just a number yeah yeah <laughs> <No>. mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um yeah i think i think it's what we've actually spoken about this before and and your idea about um, about keeping anonymity for moderation i think is really important because i think that the find like the, there's so many findings that are so important to to recognize about about bias and like and this i I know mostly from the student end the the students who've who really like fought for um anonymity are students um often students of color who are really um fighting to like against all the institutional structures that just make it so much harder to be a Mm -hmm. student at university for example at bristol um and but keeping anonymity in moderation is a really interesting way of like um of personalizing the assessment process you actually feel like a human who's writing Uh a piece of work for a tutor that you actually want to to like it right because you're accountable to it suddenly Mm -hmm. um and at the same time ensuring that um, when that work is being moderated it's not um having biases affect it or if a bias has already affected the marking that will hopefully be exposed in moderation yeah Yeah. um which i think is a really interesting solution to probably actually quite a few problems either for or against anonymity maybe it's bit of both is the answer
1: yeah i mean i, th- I think uh, i said before that there need you know the qualification of, of, of having um marking which is not anonymous and and that is one of the qualifications is that there needs to be a process that is anonymous yeah. and i see that as through the moder- the moderation process because the moderation process anyway is a step back and and in my view it really needs to be asking the question is this marking fair and consistent throughout the entire class we already have situations when large classes where there are multiple markers Um, and so you can envisage a situation where those multiple markers are dealing with small enough groups where they can have that personal conversation Mm -hmm. feed forward class uh, meetings in between um, submissions in order to be able to enhance students learning Um, all of those very positive things about student learning. But at the same time, you then have somebody stood back from it who yeah. looks across the whole lot and say, is the marking fair between the markers consistent in in how they are marking and works well? And I think that that has to occur. That There's, there's a number of changes that have to happen for that to be effective. Um, one of them is that I think it requires clarity on the marking schema that is being used what qualifies for a
2: 2-1
1: first class 2-2 that sort of thing and and having the descriptors really quite clear so that the markers and the student understand what the descriptors are that they're aiming for and that those are apparent when it comes to a moderator looking at those Um, so i think that that's that's an important part of it i think the other thing is that the moderator has to have as it were. It has to have the ability to be able to go back and say, I don't agree. I was wondering that.
2: Yeah, how often do uh, Mm. academics get pulled up on marking?
1: Well, um, so I've looked at a few moderation guidelines for moderators. And sometimes you sort of feel, well, because there's such a... uh, Again, comes back to the processes that we have, for example. We don't like to have to watermarks uh, if yeah. we can avoid it and this sort of thing. So that's apparent through a lot of our processes. Um, <clears throat> so there's a danger that the moderation looks like it's taking place because somebody's doing something and it's looking at something, but is not necessarily equipped with the responsibility mm. and the authority yeah. to be able to say that marking doesn't feel consistent with the rest of your marking somewhere you know look at it again yeah. and somehow have the ability to get that corrected so i don't think it's quite right
2: yeah yeah it would ha- yeah yeah and just picking b-
0: back up on that issue that you said um humphrey of moderators have to know and it has to be clear with markers and moderators what a two one and a, a first looks like even within those boundaries how do we distinguish between a 63 or a 64 and then how does that go back to moderation it's how is that done in in, um, in your experience <laughs> w-
1: through experience yeah. is, is one of the reasons I was, I was reading a, a paper just recently about uh, how and it is based on uh, some interviews with markers as they were marking essentially, about how they arrived at the mark that they did. And it came up with some quite interesting findings. Quite a recent study, and I think it involved about 12 or 15 markers, and it was really exploring in real time, so they were recording. Um, The first thing it came up with was how markers... Uh, and I recognize this when I read the, the transcript sort of being quoted. Was, was as you're reading something, you're thinking, oh, this looks a bit like a 2 1, you know, sort of thing. And you're saying, and so you're immediately calibrating into the category where it's yeah. marking. And then as you read it, so you then go up or down that. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, several of the markers said it's at the end when they check to the guidelines. Okay. To double check where they are, and that's how I would mark as well. As I have this idea, I think this is two. It's quite a good two-one okay. actually. Is it a first or is it a two-one? And I'm not quite sure. And then I go back to the guidelines and say, well, I, the descriptors I've used to describe it. Do they more accurately describe something that's a two-one category or a first-class mark category? Okay. And that's. A, but it is, you know, it's an art in a way. I mean, has, in has,
2: um, has, different parts of the university, they use the twenty-one point marking yeah. scale, don't they? um that's not consistent is it across faculties and that uh, uh, an academic in biomed was talking to me about it and it sounds really effective um where there's no decisions that you're making where you're like 69 or 70 because the way that they're separated is that it's either like concretely in the two one or it's concretely in the first and that's like a little bit easier for markers because you can't differentiate to a hundredth no. quality
0: well yeah. we don't well it's, it's in the in the arts and social sciences it's not 100 it's never 100 yeah. it's a no, yes. no. 40 and 80 but really yeah. Yeah. but i think yeah. i think
2: you know
1: 68 72 is uh, is actually a, which is uh, yeah. the equivalent in the, the 21 marks yeah. going, is, is much more helpful it's actually more yeah. helpful for a moderator having just done quite a big yeah. moderating job than 70 because yeah, exactly. 70, you really have to look at this. This person has landed the mark right on the line, mm-hmm. and do I agree that it's on that line? But 72, 68 says it either is or it isn't, yeah. Yeah. and it's much more clearly. So so I think that the 21-point scale forces that out, but I think also on a 101-point yeah. scale you can do the same thing if you just yeah. be wary of certain mark areas yeah. are giving uh, ambiguous messages.
2: I mean, I wonder also if there's work psych- on like the psychology of of submitting your work anonymously as a student number and then receiving back this anonymous feedback with just this num- single number because numbers really stick in people's heads as such a kind of reductive like label on on that process that they had just like toiled away at yeah um and what it feels like dif- like differently for example to be getting a's or b's as you would in um north american universities for example where you have like a gpa um and yeah, I d- think it probably does feel slightly different.
0: Definitely. And I think, you know, if you think back to s- essays that you've submitted, Zoe, do you remember, oh, for that essay, I got this piece of feedback that said, you know, I'd written this paragraph beautifully and I'd looked at this well. Or do you remember, okay, I got a 72 on that, or I got a 63. Yeah. That's I what remember
2: the negative parts of the feedback and the <laughs> number, right? I <laughs> <laughs> like the worst of both <laughs> of But I, yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Um... And I think, I guess, like, this is a conversation that's moved beyond just anonymous marking, but it is if it's something that, that people are interested in addressing or, or or just working on, it is part of so many other aspects of the student mm-hmm. experience and, mm-hmm. and the, the academic's experience. Like, it is about um, marking and it is about feedback. And at the same time, if you were going to remove anonymous marking at the first point of submission in the name of students um, getting more engaged in, like, Getting feed forward, etc. You have to change assessment practice itself because yes. in so many departments there's a single piece of assessment at the end of a term, um, or there's only two pieces of assessment. So that, f- but they don't connect at all. So that feedback that you would be getting may just not even relate to what you're doing mm-hmm. next. And I think it's would and should be part of a more holistic move to like actually making our assessment way more embedded in our in our teaching and learning. Yes then it f- certainly in arts is is almost completely disconnected sometimes like you can have 12 classes and and only one week you're writing on um which is a really bizarre way to be engaging in uni so i think it has to like branch off also into those conversations as well like it, it whatever motivates people to want to address anonymous marking will probably motivate them to also adjust other things and other practices
0: so, do you think there are there's a general feeling among academics and among students um, that people want to remove anonymous marking, or do you think it's still a really popular practice? Ooh, I,
1: um, <clears throat> so, I'm not sure. But when um, last term, when I did that, um, the built talk, about
0: the Education Excellence <laughs> Seminar that's available on our blog to watch. That's <laughs> all on contract cheating. And I, <clears throat> I prepared
1: to say something because um, it's been in the world of contract cheating for a while, is, is, is in ways of being able to reduce or trying to reduce contract cheating, the occurrence of uh, And Phil Newton, who's probably one of the greatest experts on contract cheating, who has also been to talk to us, one of the earliest built seminars. Uh, Before my
0: time. (laughs) Yeah, it was...
1: um, And we should get him back again, basically, one day. uh, Because he's a good speaker and very interesting and so on. But he said... I've heard him when he talked on a built one and also at a um, workshop I went to last year where he is speaking again. In both times, he said we should look at um anonymity because it is a problem when it comes to because again it comes to it breaks the link between tutor and student yeah. and if i'm just a number
2: yeah, and they don't yeah.
1: you know uh, why should i w- be concerned and also if you have a built a relationship with a um tutor in through your work you know you're talking about your work and so on it's actually much more difficult to sit down I imagine I've not done it myself but to sit down in front of a tutor talking about your work when actually it's not your work than to talk about your work when it is your work I think it's a much more difficult thing but when I was giving that talk I was sort of couching it a little bit like Phil Newton has done when he's done it is sort of saying well I think we need to explore and look at it and I was quite pleased for reaction I think you might have been there um but there was sort of like uh, almost a chair it wasn 't quite a chair, <laughs> but it was sort of yes, <laughs> I agree, that sort of thing <laughs> and there was uh, the feedback I was getting from the room was yes, actually there really was some support yeah, for it yeah, for but that if, we, idea.
2: if we do want to do anything, for example in to f- for students not to feel like a number
1: yeah,
2: that it can't just be in marking because no. at the moment students are just <laughs> numbers in quite mm. a lot of classes like and that feeling is. will will have to be approached through student numbers through the lectures that they're in the teaching practice like how Mm -hmm. that welcomes them like um their assessment the actual curriculum and all of those sorts of things but it is really exciting the idea of looking at something like anonymous marking with like an aim to 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 build for 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 students be able to build relationships for them to be accountable for their work and that's Yes. yes
1: Yeah, and I think some of the other things that goes alongside uh, and I think we might have had the conversation about this is things like authentic uh, assessment yeah. um, mm-hmm. and things like being able to design your assessment yeah um, or elements of your assessment to shoot, suit your particular interest rather than just taking that question that's been delivered yeah. and you have to answer it is so opportunities for actually shaping your assessment yeah um, which again is what I'm able to do on a piece on a unit that I, I'm unit director for where we just basically say these are the learning outcomes that you're required to meet. Uh, go and do. <laughs> really? Yeah, basically, in a way, say go and show me that you've met those learning outcomes okay. by exploring what interests you. And we're seeing what keeps on blowing my mind uh, uh, because I think the students just get into it because yeah. they're doing something that interests them. And so and we're seeing sort of, you know, reading, people reading around a subject area that they might have done for a dissertation, they might have done for in you know, a journal article, mm-hmm. <laughs> writing that, you know, 60, 70 references, this sort of thing, and it's clear that they've read them. Yeah. Um, and and That's so exciting. But, I, but know, that's because they're I, interested. I
0: know another academic, um, actually in French, she's doing the exact same thing with the unit, with her undergrad she's doing it with, um, and she says, these are the learning outcomes. You go away and you create a piece... That meets these, but you can do it on wh- whatever topic you want to. And she said she's never seen um, students get so into an assessment like they get into that one. Yeah. And why? But why is that? Is it because it's a sense of autonomy with the subject, or is they get? To, I don't. I don't know why that would be in particular.
2: I'm assuming that it's just so exciting to have your own project and to invest yourself mm-hmm. in it. Um, the dissertations that myself and my friends have just written, and although the format itself was so dark dry and hard <laughs> like sitting down and writing 10,000 words the um, topics were our passions and like mm. yeah you go through a lot of crises with it mm-hmm. uh, but that's much more about the form rather than the content and being able to just uh, particularly in liberal arts which is a really fantastic degree where you are always having to be that kind of independent person who's like look, reading loads around a subject and pulling ideas together in combinations that you would probably not have been taught yet Yeah, um, is just like, really great, and if particularly if you get a a clear message from your department that's really empowering, right, that's like, I trust you, and I want you to really engage in this unit, so you just go ahead and and pursue what you want to, when that's the ethos, it really makes things way more exciting, and in our department that's particularly it, it's like, we want you to just go and be as bold and ambitious with with mixing disciplines as you can be. Um, Yeah, so Mm -hmm. I can imagine that, that really affects it. Um, Particularly is even better when the form itself is a little bit more interesting than just writing. So if you're doing academic work, but you're also producing like a portfolio of other um, things, is is really fun. Yeah. But the I think one one minor issue at Bristol with that, which I, uh, an academic raised with me um, a few months ago, is that in uh, a, a a university where the majority of your assessment is still um, like just one big paper or one exam or like two papers students haven't aren't the best at adapting their work ethic because Mm -hmm. they're just not as used to um something like continuous assessment or like they'll do one really creative unit that that is the sort of thing that you're talking about and then the rest aren't like that and they can they can still get really stressed because they haven't they're they're so used to putting their whole self into just one unit Mm. or one piece of work um and i think that that is another argument for it being mm. institutional because then when students come in in first year, their, their practice would hopefully adapt um, rather than it just being a standout unit they get to do in like second year or something. Um, yeah.
0: But then I guess if you look at fi- just on the flip side of that, if you look at physics, for example, we know that they do lots and lots of continual assessment, yeah. but actually a lot of students do struggle with that, and yeah, they find totally, that, they totally. ha- that continual pressure is something yeah. that they find really difficult. Yeah, so. that's
2: completely fair. And I think particularly if they, those assessments are testing all the time, knowledge, yeah. it's not quite the same as like ex- exploring concepts, mm. and I'm, I think it's much more the, the former than the latter. You probably just feel like you're constantly being checked and checked and checked mm. and having to remember a lot of stuff, whereas in probably more arts and social science context, you can get more continuous assessment that can be more um, explorative and exciting than pressuring. But, yeah, obviously, assessment itself, like, yeah, it's a a hot topic in terms (laughs) of
1: of where we should (laughs) get... And it's inseparable from other things that that, that you might want to bring together, so that um, it's not just... The assessment—it's mm-hmm. the amount of assessment yeah. that is done, and the forms of assessment, and and when they're timed, um, and and <clears throat> and it comes back to the relationship between people as well, and so on. Yeah. And so, it 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 might have to be part of a, a significant adjustment in yeah, a lot of different things to get that right. Um, just a practicality, but it really worked. The the class that I'm talking about, where they, um, that we've we've, we gone from a hundred and fifteen students to hundred and seventy students from one year to the next, which is a problem from a point of view of managing it. But mm-hmm. we have managed it. One of the things we had to do in order to be able to do that is basically said between when the students did their started their. The portfolio work and they did their formative assignment with that and their summative is that we have dropping classes where they can talk to people basically saying we can only allow you 10 minutes mm-hmm. you know it's 10 minutes per student and mm-hmm. that's what that's we have the to NHS. do so yes it is literally <laughs> like that but what and i was really expecting that to be quite difficult but uh, um it actually worked better than i imagine because because students knew they had 10 minutes they came in and i said i got these questions about my work what do i do about this yeah. how do i go with that yeah. where do and right. some of them are gone in three minutes. Said, "Yep, I got my answers. I'm done." Um, and so it actually helped to focus minds and yeah. so on. But it, it it's all part of you know. It joins in together. It's it's. It, I don't think you can separate um, just switching the way you're doing marking uh, exactly. to uh, and leave that on its own. It yeah. sort of ties in Completely. and uh, the way you're making assessments and designing yeah. assessments. It, yeah.
2: So on what huge y- beast? yeah it is but it's so worthwhile like um prioritizing Mm. because it really Uh just like is at the root of so many aspects of your your time on campus whether you're an academic or a student like it ties together so many parts of what you do your assessment but what you asked earlier which is going right back to anonymous marking (laughs) um and about whether attitudes are like changing towards it i think in all honesty in the student population there's obviously a huge mix of people and most I don't think really think about it too explicitly um Mm -hmm. because it's just what you're used to um but when you begin to ask students they often will be like oh yeah that actually does that is kind of part of me feeling a little bit alienated at this uni or like me feeling like no one really knows who I am um but at the same time, like there's a huge amount of work going into the BME attainment gap, yeah. and those students who are really engaged in that sort of work will be like, this is a really, really fundamental part of, of us trying desperately to address this attainment gap. Mm-hmm. So I think there is, as will be in the, in the staff population, like lots of approaches um, and lots of feelings about it. Um, but nothing so concrete as to be like, we should get rid of it or we yeah. should always keep it. Right. Um,
1: uh, and maybe it needs to be partial anyway in that certain yeah. types of assessment will lend themselves much more to anonymous marking uh, because of the structure of the yeah. assessment and the structure of the marking. Yeah. And other ones won't. And yeah. it's, So perhaps it's not necessarily something about sort of either one or the other, yeah. but trying to find the appropriate blend. Yeah. And then when you do find a blend, when you do have a marking that is is, is not anonymous... What's the opposite of non-anonymous? No, or something like that. But anyway... Um, that you have the right structures in place through moderation and so on mm-hmm. to ensure that there is a double check yeah. on those really important issues around uh, biases and yeah, halo yeah. effects and so on.
2: Yeah. One thing um, that I thought was kind of related to this area is I've increasingly like learned or heard students talking about the fact that a grade that you get um, on a paper marks such a small aspect of it because it is literally the, the last draft you've written and you could have written three drafts beforehand so it's just one quarter of the actual writing in some ways um, and it doesn't have any engagement with the whole process of, of putting it together and all no. the things you read that you didn't include and all the mm-hmm you went through alone <laughs> you yeah. um and the, and often the effort um that students will put in which could be attending seminars it could be going speaking to a tutor it could be doing a really kind of ambitious like set of reading etc
0: or it could be buying an essay off the internet or it could be buying an essay yes. off the internet
2: it's <laughs> a lot of effort um and how do we recognize uh, effort as well as attainment and whatever attainment is um and how do we rec- yeah just like Should we? Mm. Should we? I don't know. But a lot of my friends have been like, I kind of wish it was like in school when you got like an A for effort and then a B for Mm. like French because you weren't that good at it. (laughs) Like that that is something that people do have all the way through being in school. Um, But I I have no idea how you would mark it. I I almost don't think you should. I don't think you should be marking every single aspect of what you do at uni. So maybe it's not about marking it, but how do you recognize it? Like how do you understand processes that people go through as they're putting together a piece of work? So it's not just alone. You're not just doing it in your yeah. head. Um, and I don't know whether that is doing drafts. So like you send in a first draft, and then you get f- you work with the academic, and then you write a second mm-hmm. draft, and then at least mm-hmm. they were engaged in like your process of production, mm-hmm. yeah. and you felt like you weren't just um, learning things alone. Yeah,
1: yeah. But you can imagine that there might be some interesting ways of being able to do that within a marking mm-hmm. regime, so that it may be that, for example. Uh, you can bank some marks, as it were, on your drafts so yeah. that you have an idea whereby first draft is worth 20% of the unit assessment mm-hmm. and you get a mark for that and then you get the feedback and then you yeah. work on it and you try and get... And mm-hmm. so you actually really nice do idea. get uh, rewards for everything going along. Um, you know, th- 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 there are ways that we yeah. you can rethink the, the, yeah. the, the process if you... But, uh, but anonymous marking would kill that idea. Yeah, you couldn't exactly. be able to do it. So, yeah. so it's mm. a, it does open up possibilities. The other thing, I don't know if it's worth lobbing in now, but we can always um, take it out. <laughs> but the other thing that I think also has an impact on students, uh, it would be interesting to see what you think of it, Zoe. The, the the UK grading structure, where at undergraduate it is, you know, first, two, one, two, two, third. At uh, postgraduate it's distinction, merit, pass. Um it, you, you know you get to first and in most marking schemas that's 70% and then you've got that whole stretch yeah. between 70 and 100% where you could work to get really brilliant marks and things and we like to be able to give marks in those areas but there's no sort of return as it were and whether we should be thinking of GPA as a sort of or oh, something similar to that I keep on wondering about it and whether we're constraining ourselves by just having basically four categories of marks.
2: yeah and GPA works doesn't it as if it averages out how many A's, A minuses, B's, et cetera, that you got, right?
1: Yes. I mean, I, I don't know it well enough to know if it's always based on a, um, on a literal grade mm-hmm. rather than a, a numerical grade or whether you can actually work it with a numerical grade as well just as easily. Yeah. But you could, your average mark is what you're aiming for. So that, um, I mean, it's, I'm sort of trying to think on my feet as it were, but, but it may help... As well, when you see where well, we had earlier on, these examples of of, of people excelling themselves mm-hmm. in their work, really doing very good work, um, but they still only get a first, does it? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah.
2: I think anything, I don't know whether it's GPA or what, but anything that kind of addresses this issue, particularly in arts or written um, disciplines of only being able to score between 40 and 80... Which is fine if you want to have a forty point marking scale, Mm. introduce a forty point marking scale. Mm -hmm. But you're completely right. Like it is so abstract knowing what happens after (laughs) seventy. Like where are you going there? (laughs) Like and 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 also, I mean, I I haven't really felt that much of Bristol that people compare marks in my in my experience in arts. I don't know what it's like outside of arts. Like people have seem to be from my experience, quite private about it until this year <laughs> when I, I, I don't know whether it's what it is about whether it's final year or something. And people are much more likely to be like, Oh I got this and this. And I think it's really discouraging for students when they hear that they got a 69, but someone got an 82 or they got a 72 and someone got an 82, but they have no idea like what mm. that difference yeah. is. And, um, and it feels completely arbitrary anyway. Um, so yeah, I think it would be, if we were looking at it in terms of how you motivate students it would be really interesting to like look at that kind of 30 points that just hang after a 70 what does it yeah. even mean to get like a hundred but then yeah. it, you're but all graduating with these same grades whereas in in yeah. some disciplines it's way you can actually get a hundred well <laughs> in in
0: math, three times as many math students graduate with a first than history students yeah. do. yeah which is insane. Last year, I think someone told me in civil engineering that 70% of his cohort graduated with a first. Oh, my God. Which is insane oh compared to, you know, some of the other subjects, yeah. and even that's changing over the years, and how do we tackle that, you yeah. know, it's just, and should we tackle that, and is that just the way things are going, so...
2: But I don't know if a GPA necessarily addresses the difference in disciplines, because I can imagine... If you do have a GPA, then the engineers and mathematicians would uh, would get higher because you, it's easier to get, not easier, mm-hmm. but it's more la- realistic to be able yeah. to get an A, mm-hmm. aka 100% on something. But, yeah, no, I don't know.
0: But I think as well that issue is if you are a student who's very, very high-achieving um, and always wants to get in, like, say, so the, those maths and science subjects where you can get really mm-hmm. high... Great. If you're someone who's you've got 90s and then suddenly you start getting 70s, which yeah. to an, you know an art yeah. student is really good, yeah. but to that they suddenly feel like they're failing. Yeah, and is, so is that okay? And it's, it's such a difficult. Uh, area. We also
1: see it quite a lot with international students when they yeah. get their first mark and they're given, "Well done, you got 65 or something like that." Yeah. And 65 is dreadful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and so you know mm. because they're calibrated on the idea that that sort of work would be 85 or yeah.
2: 95. Yeah. Or I mean it did. I was at McGill University last year in Montreal, and they used a GPA system with letter grades, mm. and it was for me worked so much better because you could put in a lot of effort into an essay and then get an A back, and there wasn't anyone who got like an A star or an A plus. Like you knew that that wasn't. It could like in your head you could be like, oh, that's was between seventeen hundred, but you're not. You're just like, okay, that was like a really Good essay, and because they didn't have the kind of granularity of like a numerical marking system, I think it was probably a lot easier also for those markers to be able to award them, and then it meant that art students equally were able to get GPAs of 4.0 or 4.3 or whatever Mm. it is, which is when you've got all A's. Um, But they also have way more classes and like way more assessment. Yes, that's Um,
1: right. So. (laughs) They can get those very fine adjustments in yeah. the in the GPA yeah. because of the
2: number exactly, of, and yeah. you'll be getting at the end of a term like twelve to fifteen assessments back with all sorts of like letters and grades and things.
0: And they're all summative.
2: Um, it depends. It really mm-hmm. depends. Um, but mostly, yeah, almost all So, so were well. they
1: relatively small pieces of assessment? Or yeah,
2: I mean, uh, yeah, they were. Um, yeah, the longest I did was about a three or four thousand word essay. Right which was a third year um, year. Um, yeah, they were. But some of them were not necessarily long, but they took a long time because they were quite creative. So like I had to put together at one point a, a proposal for a funding bid um, to support a charity in Montreal. And it wasn't the longest thing I've ever written, but it took me so long yeah. <laughs> um, because it was a whole new way of writing and mm-hmm. researching um, mm-hmm. and advocating, which was really exciting, like really, really cool to do. Um, but a lot of, it really just depends. It's uh, yeah, so interdisciplinary. Sure. So I was doing four. I would do four classes, and they were all in different disciplines, and they all had really different approaches. But even English, even English, <laughs> I love the English department, by the way. Um, <laughs> I actually do. They're like the best <laughs> academics ever. But the assessment here in English is so boring. Um, I mean, the assessment in English at Bristol is more uh, <laughs> less creative than in other aspects of the uni. I'm um, in English. They e- even there, there was. That encouraged creativity because they had way more assessments to play with. So you could do... Like, some people did creative writing. Mm-hmm. Um, then you would do an academic essay. Then you may do, like... I don't know. Like, an abstract. And you would just write an app. Ab- like, all of those things, you were just encouraged way more because they had to assess you more. Mm-hmm. That was tangent. We've gone on it was a lots bit of, of a tangent. tangent. That was <laughs> a big tangent there. But um, the marking there was not anonymous. Um which was really interesting so you the classes my classes were smaller Mm -hmm. so i already knew the tutors better also they're just a little bit more um approachable because they're north americans um and yeah so you you really like felt like they knew you when you were writing whatever you were writing so i really personally wanted to do put more effort in because i just was embarrassed (laughs) (laughs) otherwise (laughs) um if they read something that was really rubbish
1: yeah, but, I mean, but, right. but in a way that, that again is another argument yeah. um, maybe not
0: embarrassment but it could be <laughs> motivation <laughs> yes. if you exactly. want to impress your yes. tutors, yes. <laughs> exactly <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so we will wrap it up here unless anyone has any final comments, no, no but if you would like to share any of your thoughts um, please tweet us or you can come and do another podcast with us so that's it. Thanks for listening.
2: Bye.